I'm Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. The Old Man Who Bets. And I'm Anthony Latino, a.k.a. The Odds Fellow. And this is short-term high-volatility investments, your one-stop shop for sports betting and insights no matter what season is in full swing. And now, let's cash some tickets. What's going on, everybody? We are back. It's another episode of short-term high-volatility investments. And as you'll see for episode 30, I think 30, if I can keep count, a little pregame hype, pre-Thanksgiving hype, it's just yours truly, the odds fellow at the underscore odds underscore fellow on Twitter. I am missing my main man, Jeff Sheesby at Old Man Who Bets. Uh, he's tending to some, you know, family fun for the for the holidays. But we still have a fun show. Still wanted to get on here um, and get you guys some picks. That's what matters, right? The NFL picks. We got to stay hot. We went two and one last week. Um, one and zero for the old man. I split the pair to go one and one. But the good news is, as a show, we're back to profits, and we push our overall season record to twenty one eight and one. Which again, we've been hyping this train. Still profitable. Twenty one eight and one. Very solid. Very solid. Um, but today should be fun. Uh, I'm going to do a little NBA chatter just because we're at the quarter mark or so of the season. Got some Turkey Day NFL picks and leans. Uh, probably nothing official in the Thanksgiving gate. Thanksgiving Day games, but with three of them on the slate, um, definitely wanted to get you guys some some ways to maybe approach them or think about them or just enjoy and eat pie and have fun, do your thing. Maybe get maybe get a nap in there, um, and then we're gonna close up with just an official NFL Week Eleven pick. Again, want to keep the profit train going. Week Twelve NFL Week Twelve pick. Um, want to keep the profit trains going. It's just gonna be one pick, just me, no old man. So pressure's really on, right? Can I push the record? to 22 8 and 1 push my overall podcast record to 9 and 4 got to break the trend a little bit of some L's or some you know break even days so that's the pod that's the plan short and sweet we get you out of here on your uh, Thanksgiving day holiday and enjoy yourself right so let's start with the good old NBA hopefully you're watching maybe you don't care who knows maybe this will get you pulled in but we are about 20 to 25% through the 82 game season uh, last year was 72 games. They reverted back to the full regular format this year. Um, and I think there have been some surprises. You know, I've enjoyed watching. I'm a Nets fan locally, so nice to see the Nets battling, uh, grinding it out atop the first uh, first place in the Eastern Conference. Um, not playing always as consistently as I like. Uh, struggling against some of the good teams, one of which I'm about to mention because the Warriors, Golden State Warriors, the dubs, are off to a hot start. I think... Why I call that a surprise, not because I didn't think the Warriors would be good, uh, but more because I think they're way ahead of schedule. You know, without Wiseman and Clay uh, back in the mix yet, back in the lineup, I think Clay uh, Thompson just went through a first full practice, so probably coming back soon. I don't know what the target date is. You know, how how is that going to, does that make this team even better, right? Even deeper. Um, you know, maybe they regress a little bit, but they are sitting in first place in the West, you know, playing really, really, really good basketball. Um, and I think that's been good to see. Curry is obviously an MVP favorite because of that. His odds have narrowed down to like plus 200, plus 250. Um, so I'm going to watch that team closely because I think the top of the West will probably tighten up. But Warriors probably ahead of schedule and it'll be interesting to see what Clay, the other half of the Splash Brothers does. Uh, I think another surprising point, the other side of their play and tourney opponent from last year, obviously the Warriors and the Lakers matched up, is going to be the Lakers. And they are sitting at ninth right now. So again, kind of in that play-in spot, um, but not in, a, not in a good one. You're not sitting 7th or 8th hosting home games and stuff. They're in that 9-10 range. Um, I think we'll, the thing to watch will be LeBron. You know, is he slowing down? Not 
because he's not a force of nature and an absolute beast. I just saw a commercial of him for Tonal, I think, and guys, guys absolutely shredded. So good job by him. But uh, I think more interesting to see is he finally slowing down in terms of injuries. Um, rest, you know, he's definitely been out of the lineup and missed more games early part of this season than he has historically. Uh, you know, besides that that hamstring and that bad run um, in the first season with the Lakers. <laughs> A little bit late last year, but you've seen this continually the last two or three years, right? Especially since this Lakers stopped. So is that team as good without him? Obviously not. They have a lot to figure out, a lot of parts to mesh. I do think they'll be okay by the end of the year. But I say that caveat with, you know, LeBron backing in and healthy. And maybe this is the norm. Maybe that's part of the problem, right? Um, Davis is a beast, AD. Uh, but, I, they, you know, they need LeBron to, to make any type of run and, and to go deep right now with the way they're constructed. Um, one by low spot for me in the West is the Sacramento Kings. Uh, a lot of talent on this team. Um, good at times, very inconsistent, but they did just fire their coach. They, they ended up losing Alvin Gentry's debut. They kind of collapsed late against the Sixers, uh, an undermanned Sixers team. I actually backed the Kings in this spot and thought they would kind of run away with it. Uh, the line moved in that, that way. You know, directionally, it was a, a strong line and, and continued, I think, closed, you know, at five points when it opened at two or two and a half. Um, but I do think the Kings will get back on track. I think the coaching move, getting rid of Walton, was a, was the right one. Um, Timing-wise, probably dragged longer than they needed to, but they ripped the Band-Aid, and I think you're going to see that team improve. So just a good season-long buy-low. Uh, another interesting watch, maybe a buy-low, is uh, the Pelicans. Really bad in the standings right now, but that's with no Zion. You know, definitely issues about his weight and about his status, his ability to stay healthy. It seems to be a theme here. We're talking about LeBron, talking about Zion. Uh, the team's been a little bit better lately with Brandon Ingram coming back, uh, just getting some scoring and some punch. Um, but, you know, not great overall. So I, I'm interested to see just the Zion drama unfold. You know, does he come back and play well and this team gets back on track and, and you know, maybe builds towards something? Or does it continue to spin kind of out of control? And then you really have issues of what happens with Zion in the offseason, right? Well, you know, where does, does Zion start forcing his hand out of here? What does Zion do about the rookie extension? Does he force his way to the garden? All the Knicks fans listening, get the man to the Mecca. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting. You know, I don't know what Zion's motive is right now, but it doesn't seem like it's getting back on the court, unfortunately, which is bad news for Pelicans fans uh, and bad news for NBA fans that want to see that guy. So... That's a little hot takes on the West, the East. You know, all I can say is it's really good. I think the East is deep. The East is back. Um, you know, the last however many years, right, the West has always been dominant. You've had garbage teams in, in the bottom half of the East. And this year it's really bunched up. You know, um, there's honestly 13 teams right now that I could say could see making the playoffs. And that's crazy to me. And, and I think one thing that really stood out just looking at the standings the last day or so is the Hawks are 11th and the Sixers are 9th. Those are two, you know, playoff teams from, from last year. And one of which went to the Eastern Conference Finals, another of which was probably a favorite to get to the Eastern Conference Finals or even represent the Eastern Conference in the uh, NBA Finals in the, in the Sixers and the Hawks who beat them. So I think what you're kind of looking at is who's going to get left out of this whole thing. One through 13, obviously with the play in, more teams get, you know, a shot. They get a chance. Uh, but you still have to be one through 10 to be in the mix there. That leaves three teams out of this, you know. I end up thinking it'll probably be the Cavs, Raptors, and Pacers. Um outside of that play-in in 11, 12, and 13. Right now, they're kind of all jockeying. They're in that lower half. Uh, Cavs have overachieved. Mobley not being in the lineup is going to hurt them long-term. Raptors have probably overachieved uh, as well. 
Um, but again, both those teams' common theme, there's two stud rookies, uh, Scotty Barnes for the Raptors and Evan Mobley for the Cavs, uh, looking really good. Uh, Pacers, you know, sitting there, sometimes competitive, sometimes not, inconsistent team. I think what you probably expect is the Knicks drop a little bit out of the standings. They're a little bit high right now. Uh, Celtics could, you know, come in and out of there. Hornets may regress a little bit. I do think the Hawks and the Sixers either get in or, or stay in the play-in range. Um, you know, and then those Cavs, Raptors, Pacers are probably your first three out um, as the season unfolds. So I'll just leave you with a couple quick things, some futures. Uh, division winner right now. They think this is an interesting spot, good narrative. Division winner to win the Pacific, which is where the Warriors, Lakers, and Suns play. Uh, Lakers are a huge long shot. I don't think that's worth a touch. They probably have too much ground to make up and are going to be resting guys and meshing throughout the year. But Golden State's sitting at minus 105, and they obviously are ahead of Phoenix right now. So Phoenix is plus 110, Golden State minus 105, very similar odds um you know in season right now looking at the standings i think what you're banking on here is you can take the position and and almost at even money say what do i think is going to happen do i think the warriors will hold up and keep at this pace and even get better when wiseman and clay come back or do i like them to regress and come back to the pack a little bit and the suns to remain the consistent force in that division and repeat as division champions obviously they were last year so Depending on your approach, you know, that's probably a good spot where there's, um, you know, kind of even odds. A lot of these other divisions are wrapped up or have huge favorites and, you know, or, or really long, long shots that just aren't worth betting, you know, value-wise. Um, similar thing, uh, looking at futures for the MVP, I think two long shots, I'll call them long shots, they're not really long shots, but two of the favorites that, that have a chance. There's probably only four or five guys that have a shot at this MVP. Uh Steph has dropped, he has jumped all the way to, to a heavy favorite, like plus two, plus 250. But I think if you're looking to back somebody down the stretch, it's Giannis or Luca for me. Uh, Giannis plus 700, Luca plus 1500. Luca just came back. Um, the Mavs are actually playing okay. They've kind of held court in the West. And if Luca comes back and this team goes on a run and he plays his way back into shape and, and continues doing really well, uh, maybe you make a push there. I think you're still going to have to have Steph and the Warriors come back to earth. Same Similar thing with Giannis. That team probably will rise up in the East and, and be a force. They're really good when they're all together. They haven't had their players all year. Um, but Giannis himself is is still playing an MVP caliber rate. What hurts him is probably the narrative of you know, winning that award the last few years um, on and off. So again, just a couple angles, targets, nothing official for me, but I will keep those coming. If I do drop them, I'll drop them on Twitter. I'll drop them on the podcast uh, as the NBA continues uh, a sport. I really enjoy watching. So that was our appetizer, which is a nice Thanksgiving day theme to get us into the Turkey day leans Uh, three games. So you do have a full appetizer, entree and dessert round with the NFL bringing that that triple-headed monster slate yet again. Um, we start the day with Bears-Lions, and I ask, no thank you. Uh, this maybe is a time to get your nap in. Maybe you have some early cocktails. Maybe uh, maybe you hit the appetizers early, or maybe this is just the nap to set up for the rest of the day because I don't know how tuned in people are going to be for Bears-Lions uh, on Thanksgiving Day. It's always the early game. It's been a struggle lately. Usually a better opponent. Now, this is a division game. So obviously, if you are a fan of the NFC North or a fan of one of these teams, you're you, you know you're tuning in. Maybe you have it on the background, but I think some interesting things to watch. Uh, Andy Dalton will start for an injured Justin Fields. Uh, a lot of rumors swirling about Matt Nagy. Is he a lame duck coach? Has he already been announced that internally he's going to get let go after this game, regardless of what happens? That's a weird approach. So I don't know if that's a leak. 
Um, but personally, I just don't trust the Lions. Uh, so I do lean the Bears and I, I lean the under uh, in this game. The under is low. I think it's at like 41.5, 41, which is a low total. Um, the Bears are 3-7 and seven in the under this season. The Lions 3-7 and seven in the under this season. These teams can't seem to get out of each other, uh, out of their own way, uh, kind of each week. You know, I do think the Bears will probably have a little bit of a better offensive game plan with Andy Dalton, but he struggled early in the year, and Justin Fields brought a spark and brought, you know, a different pace to this team, uh, even though Nagy couldn't really unleash him or, or figure it out. And the Lions have no golf, so they're starting again, I think, Tim Boyle, who struggled, um, you know, in his first game. So I do lean under, uh, lean Bears slightly at, at minus three, but... You know, if that thing climbs and you start getting three and a half or four at all, then, you know, it probably flips to, for me, the uh, the Lions. But you could have an interesting narrative here with the all the rumors swirling. You know, you'll find out pretty quickly if this locker room has given up on Mr. Matt Nagy or if they support the man. Uh, so that's going to be a telling thing to watch. Middle game, my favorite of the day. It's stressful watching your team on Thanksgiving. Raiders at Cowboys. So really, question here is can the Raiders stop their slide? Um, this team's been horrendous lately, but the Cowboys are also coming off a tough performance uh, against Kansas City, where the defense actually held up. You know, if you watch the first two drives of that game, you probably thought Casey was going to manhandle uh, that Dallas defense and their offense was going to run wild the entire game. It was actually flipped, right? The other way, the other thing happened. The defense, after those first two drives, held up, actually forced some turnovers, got some stops, got bailed out by Miss Fielgel, I believe, by Butker. Um, but where the Dallas Cowboys did get manhandled because that did happen was the point of attack, meaning that Kansas City defensive line and front seven dominated the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, which is not something I was expecting, but something that ultimately didn't surprise me because Tyron Smith did not play in that game. Cowboys leader, their left tackle, their stud, um, that man was out. And he missed a couple games, I think two or three in a row. And that's, you know, he's a veteran too, so I'm not surprised. Dallas all time, 14 and 16 without him. And, you know, some of those losses have been tough. And I, I, you know, candidly remember a game against the Atlanta Falcons when they just gave up sack after sack after sack. And that's how this game against Kansas City uh, felt. So he is back. I think that's a big presence on the offensive line and a big presence in the locker room. I think it's a get right spot uh, for the Cowboys too, just to get back on track and get that offense back on track. So I lean the over here. And the Cowboys, um, you know, especially if it gets below a TD. But I think the best move with this game potentially is uh, using Dallas as a teaser leg, you know, crossing the key numbers of seven and three uh, and trying to get them somewhere around, you know, pick them to to one, one and a half, depending on where that line closes uh, over, I think, is sitting around 50, 50 and a half. And I, and I do lean over in this game. I think the Cowboys offense gets going a little bit. And, you know, even as much as I love their defense and their defense is opportunistic with forcing turnovers. Um, more than likely they give up some shots. Uh, I just don't know what kind of effort you're going to get here from the Raiders who have struggled lately and have a lot of obviously off season or off the field turmoil and, and drama cooking around them. So the dessert round is something when I'm sure the schedule makers circled that they thought they'd have a different game. Uh, Bill saints, uh, obviously these are still two quality teams, still two teams in the playoff mix bills more so than the saints. Uh, but the Saints are, are fighting and going to be right there by the end of the year. Um, what's telling about this one is, you know, or interesting is both these teams come in off a loss, which is uh, crazy to, to think about when you look at the, you know, the schedules and, you know, where some of these things shook out. The Saints obviously struggling with without Jameis um, and with Trevor Simeon at 
the quarterback position, but the defense has really stepped up and played well, uh, kept them in some games, gotten some W's. And the Bills is another one where I think they're playing up and down to opponents, very inconsistent, struggling a little bit more than we would expect probably on offense. Um, so these teams come in. Buffalo first-ranked defense uh, and New Orleans the fifth-ranked defense. So quality defense is the total sitting at 44-and-a-half. Um, I do lean under in this game. I lean Saints a little bit, but that's you know very much a lean with with the points. Um, just being a home dog catching you know six and a half, seven, seven and a half, I think is going to be interesting, especially if that defense tightens things up and and plays well. Um, you know, so I I think what you could get here is classic. You know, people chasing losses or chasing the game, betting the over in the late game, and then that thing comes in nice and low and in a bit of a grind. Um, but the Bills have to get right here. They don't want to keep giving up ground to New England, who's in a pretty favorable position in the AFC East race, which a couple weeks ago we probably thought was wrapped up. So go low in that one. Go low in the early game. Lots of points in the middle game. And, uh, you know, enjoy. Enjoy the action. Um, I know I'm going to. I probably will have picks on Twitter, so check in the morning for anything official. Nothing official right there, but just some leans and some angles and some approaches to the games. Which brings us to the official Week 12 Short-Term High Volatility Investment Podcast Play of the Day for Week 12. This one's going to be on Sunday, so you got plenty of time to look at it. But jump on now because the line is moving. We are targeting the Tennessee Titans at the New England Patriots under 44 minus 110. I already saw some 43 and a halfs out there, so you do want to get this at 44 and above. Um, I think it even opened higher and is moving down. Coming into this game, New England is the second-ranked defense per DVOA, second in passing, eighth in rushing. The Tennessee Titans are the 12th-ranked defense, 13th passing, 18th rushing. Now, some of those stats are are skewed a little bit towards some of the earlier parts of the season. Um, Obviously, it's averaged out, but what I love here is just what these two teams come in doing defensively right now You know, over the last four or five games. So let's start with New England, right? They are 5-6 and to the over. Um, this season through 11 games. So slight advantage to the under uh, for, you know, in their games. But during this five-game winning streak that they've had, the defense has really come alive. New England's given up 13 points to the Jets, which is the 24th-ranked offense, 24 points to the Chargers, the third-ranked offense, six points to Carolina, the 29th-ranked offense, seven points to Cleveland, the 12th-ranked offense, and zero points to Atlanta, the 31st-ranked offense. Tennessee, who just put up a terrible spot four picks by mr Tannehill against the houston texans they come in as the 22nd dvoa offense so 22nd would make them better slightly than the jets who scored 13 points way worse than the chargers who scored 24 points (laughs) slightly better than the panthers and you know the falcons sitting there at 29th and 31st those two teams put up six points combined and then Cleveland, who was sitting at 12th, and we know they have their injury problems, seven points. So I don't expect Tennessee's offense to do much here. Um, I think you're, you're ten, New England's getting them at the perfect point. They're playing this game at home. They know they need to keep pace, you know, or, or keep the pressure on the Bills. All the momentum is going in their way. Um, look at how they've played down the stretch, right? You know, huge spots. And and that Tennessee offense is not right. They're 22nd trending in the wrong direction right now with the Derrick Henry injury and what that offense can do limited without a rushing attack. 
Uh, they had Adrian Peterson on the roster. They just cut him. They just cut him. So I have no idea what the answer is at, at running back. And after that performance, which we'll get to a little bit later, I don't know if you want Tannehill slinging the ball all over the place. So switching gears to Tennessee, they are six and five to the over. So slight advantage to the over, right? And, you know, both these teams trending around that. These numbers are always sharp in the NFL. So we understand that. Um, but since the Derrick Henry injury, uh, the team has actually played pretty well defensively. They know they've had to settle in and, you know, it's not always against slouches on, on offense either. So 16 points to the Rams. Uh, that was a tough one. 21 points to New Orleans and 22 points to Houston. So they are actually one and two uh, to the over, which is, a, again, slight advantage in those last three games that I rattled off since the injury to the under. So the under is two and one. Um, they That game against the Rams, 44 total points on a 53 and a half line. So you can tell it was still pretty inflated at that point. Partially that was because of the Rams, uh, 21 points, uh, sorry, 44 total points in that game against New Orleans against a 42 line. I was actually on the under here and this thing, you know, it was kind of some late garbage time. Uh, Saints coming back a little bit, uh, some weird penalties that, that kept some drives alive for the Titans after, uh, I think a Tannehill pick in the end zone or in the red zone, you know, things like that in the first half. So weird game, but again, number stayed close 44 versus 42. So slight over there. And then again, under in the game against Houston, uh, 35 total points against a, a 44 um, total, closing total. So again, they're trending this way where the the defense is coming more into play. The under and that, you know, getting closer to those totals is coming more into play than they probably were earlier in the year when that offense was, you know, moving full-blown, uh, you know, the way it was with Derrick Henry at the point of attack. Uh, two other interesting points. The head-to-head matchup here, 2018 Week 10, uh, Vrabel beats Belichick in 2018, 34-10, to so 44 number there. And then in the playoffs, the wild-card game, which some of you might remember, is the end of the New England Patriots dynasty. I wish the old man was here to defend himself as Tom Brady, you know, rode off into the sunset down to Tampa in the Florida with Gronk to win a Super Bowl. But it ended, you know, that wild-card playoff loss, 2013, I remember Brady threw the pick six, his last pass as a... New England Patriot. Uh, Tennessee won that game 2013, knocked them out of the playoffs. Again, 33 points. Playoff atmosphere, so a little bit different. But you can kind of see how these two are playing each other. Vrabel is from the Belichick coaching tree, played for Vrabel. Vrabel, he knows that system. Uh, Vice versa, right? Belichick knows how to attack. So I think you're going to see game script here. Both teams want to establish the run. They're both better offensively trying to run the ball. Uh, The Pats do it because they want to protect Mac Jones, their rookie quarterback. The uh, Titans do it because they had Derrick Henry. And, you know, I think after that four interception performance, it's going to be interesting to see how Vrabel lets Tannehill come out the gate. I think you're going to see a lot of running, maybe some design runs, some design bootlegs to try and keep, uh, you know, Tannehill in check a little bit. They do have to open up and establish the play action at some point because that's the only way they this team has success. Um So I, I do think you're going to get a little bit of running here, some conservative offensive play calling. It's a one o'clock game up in Foxborough. You know, I think you're going to put some limitations on what Tannehill does from a variable perspective. I think both these coaches know each other really well. I think Belichick wants to make a statement, right? He wants to avenge those two losses, including especially the playoff game from 2019. Uh, and you can bet your ass that he's looking at the way this team's playing and the, the the schedules they have coming down the stretch, especially with two head-to-head games against the Buffalo Bills. So look for a grind. Um, you know, under 44 is the number. I think you're going to get low scoring, and uh, that's what we want. Right, so settle in your Sunday with a low-scoring win. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy the NBA action. Follow us on Twitter, 
check out the picks at the old man who bets Jeff Sheesby, not here, but always here, always around. Uh, he'll have plenty of action. He's capping college basketball and already grinding the profits there. I will have more NFL and lots more NBA, and uh, it's going to be an action-packed holiday weekend, and uh, we, we hope you guys enjoy it. So cheers. Thank you for listening. This is, this was, and this always will be short-term high-volatility investments. Cheers all. Cheers.